Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of the Raise Your Voice podcast as part of the Be Raise Bay podcast network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, joined once again by the great Jim Turvey from Be Raise Bay. And last on last episode, we uh, broke down everything that happened this year for the Rays in the offseason. Um, talked a little bit about how spring training started for them. Uh, for this episode, we are going to change things up a little bit. We're going to talk about, recap some stuff that happened in the virtual baseball world on the uh, baseball sim game, Out of the Park Baseball 21. Um, Jim and I have been playing for a couple of weeks now. Um, it's a very popular um, computer baseball game, which I think gives you the best experience in terms of like a franchise mode, quote unquote, um, for any baseball video game out there. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the game, what we've been doing on it, how we've been enjoying it. And then we broke down um, the Ray, the first month of the Rays season. So we have two different saves. Jim went through a save where he did not manage. He just let the game play out the way, it, however it pleased. And then I did a save where I took on the role of general manager and manager. So I took Eric Neander's job and Kevin Cash's job and played out the first month of the season for the Rays. Uh, and we're going to try to keep giving updates to this um, throughout the rest of this virtual season. Um, but, but Jim, out of the park 21 for the game as a whole. Uh, how, how have you liked it so far? I'm really loving it. So this is my first season playing it actually. Um, and it's, it's kind of dangerous to have received this, uh, the game right before, right when all this was going on. Right. Cause now I got a little more time on my hands. I'm just kind of sitting in front of a computer all day. Uh, so I've definitely spent a lot of time on this, uh, over the last two, two and a half weeks. Um, the overall game, it, it's basically perfect for me because I'm a big MLB The Show guy and, and all games past MVP Baseball 2005, The GOAT. Um, but basically what I'll do in those games, I'll, I'll, play, I'll probably play the actual gameplay for a couple of weeks, but then I get bored of that and I'll start a franchise mode and simulate 20 years down the line with my favorite teams, take over the Rays, see if I can lead them to, uh, to victory and whatnot. So this game kind of streamlines that experience. There's not a, as much like uh physical gameplay you're not going in and and swinging a bat and and choosing a curveball but you're you're behind the scenes and you have way more responsibility and possibilities than than any other game i've played before um like you noted we both have um franchise modes going basically but i i'm not sure if the the that's the exact terminology in this in this game but yeah what what you consider your kind of your classic franchise mode i've also uh taken to perfect team have you tried that out at all yet I, I did on last year's game so out of the park 20 was my first full year of experience with the game and I played it for a little bit and I enjoyed it but overall it, it just wasn't my favorite I for that the whole card trading game experience I get from MLB the show and I have for quite some time now so with MLB the show though I've played it for 15 years I've always played franchise mode but it's never I it always finds ways to make me mad for the little things it does, especially once you get later, a few years into a save. Um, yeah. Out of the park has kind of fixed that for me, so I stick to mostly uh, Diamond Dynasty on MLB the Show. I, I don't touch Perfect Team as much. I might have to break into it if this quarantine lasts a little bit longer, though. <laughs> I'm just going to need stuff to do. Um, but Perfect Team, I, are you enjoying it so far this year? I am. My my guess is this will kind of be my binge of it. How I kind of approach video games usually, I'll like binge one mode and then move to the next mode. Um, my guess is I'll I'll be really into this for for the next couple of weeks, maybe a month, and then I mean I, like 
kind of like you, I just always find myself in the end coming back around to long-term Sims. Uh, there's just something about that, that playing the general manager role that's, it's so appealing because at least because there's limitless possibilities and some of these other yeah. things like diamond dinosaur, uh, I guess in the show, is it Diamond Dynasty, where, where they end up turning into a little bit like pay to play. I get annoyed with that. Yeah, it does. In your little world, and it's like you you have you have total control. So maybe it's I'm a control freak, but I do I, this this mode is like my favorite. Well, I, yeah, I've done some stuff on last year's game. I created um, a fictional baseball world with promotion and relegation, uh, which was yeah. really fun. Uh, kind of taking the European soccer model with like four professional leagues and teams uh, bouncing up and down between those. That was fun to just sim and watch just to see what happened. I didn't control the team. I just let it play out. Um, I'll take over other teams. Uh, I've always played with the Rays on one save, but I've got a San Francisco Giants save, a Kansas City Royals save, some teams that just fun to rebuild. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an immersive experience. It's way different than any other baseball game that if you haven't played it, then you've played before because – you get full control over the entire franchise from international scouting to minor league promotion and demotions and minor, minor league um, coaching staffs. You get really to decide all of that. Um, you know, you can pick your own experience, which is what makes it such a great game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you go in and you're looking at like an income statement and you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. They, they really <laughs> are going next level here. <laughs> For sure. And uh so I think, with, you know, without further ado, let's let's talk about these raise saves. And Jim, I know you had the the AI sim out the first month. So we started the season starts. It would have started on March 26th, and we uh, each simmed through April or May 3rd, rather, um, which was a four game series with the against the Oakland A's. And uh, so, how's the team looking through through May 3rd? So this is so this is funny. Well, this this may be a meandering track, and it may be uh, not very reality based. But we're talking about a baseball sim, so it doesn't really matter yeah. that much. But so I I will say that I started this, um, and the first time I started it, and so again I'm I'm stepping back, uh, not being the GM like you are, and I've even turned off managerial roles. I handed those off to Petraro. So it's really just the, the computer's version of what, what they would do. And uh, the first time I started it, uh, some wild stuff went down right away. Jose Martinez was traded out the door for Jan Gomes. Uh, really? Zunino, Zunino was sent to the minors. Um, I think Yanni was in the minors. It was wild. It honestly was crazy. And, like, there was, a, there, there was another trade, like, a couple weeks in. Um, the lineup was, was trash. I, I don't know what they were doing. They had all guys. Oh, um, I think, no, Kiermaier was in the majors, but he was on the bench while Margot started and led off against righties and lefties. There wow. was some, some weird stuff going on. That team was 14 and 14. And then unfortunately the game for the first time ever, I've never had it happen before the game froze. So maybe fortunately for the actual success of this, uh, simulated season but unfortunately for the wildness factor of what seemed to be a an Eric Neander gone mad um, <laughs> that, that disappeared so what we ended up with was a, a little more conventional so I figured uh, to leave things off I'll kind of rattle off the uh, 26 man roster that the computer settled on obviously the computer doesn't know that in the real world we may be bumping up to 29 but in the real world we're not starting on March 26 though uh, you got this is the point of this is to real quick side note Real quick side note, though, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if there's a shortened season, if Out of the Park will come out with some sort of update where you could start and play the shortened season on the game. I think that would be really fun. 
I'd imagine they would because th- that's the other thing that I've kind of discovered in the in the past week or so is is it's very interactive and and there's like a pretty engaging um, like some forums and you can really yeah. you can get you can get good answers there you can just talk baseball there and you can let the creators know and they're they're pretty they're pretty hands on in a good way um, in terms of being able to update certain glitches um, if something if something happens in the game and you and you let them know they're they're uh, very responsive which is which is cool so yeah, for sure. The 26 man that that this sim uh, settled on is pretty close to what I would imagine um, uh, the real life Rays would have. So they have, uh, and I'm going to rattle off the lineup in in order of the, the the batting lineup as well. So we have Kiermaier, Jose Martinez, Austin Meadows, Hunter Renfro, Jimin Choi, Yandy Diaz, Brendan Lau, Willie Adamas, Mike Zunino, uh, and on the bench Kevin Smith, Mike Brasso, Joey Wendell, and Manuel Margot. So some of the weirder things there, I wouldn't have Kiermaier leading off for sure. Um, I would not have gone with Kevin Smith. I'm more of a Michael Perez guy, but that's that's six one half than the other. I I did want to see Yoshi up in the majors. I was bummed that he yeah. He so and also no Daniel Robertson. Did yeah. So Brasso and Wendell and Smith. Honestly, basically the entire bench. I would have kept my. Margo up, but I would have had Yoshi, uh, probably Nate Lowe, and and D Rob would have been my would have been my bench, I think, um, along with with Margo. Or I guess I have to have a catch. I guess I'd go Perez and maybe leave Lowe down to start. Um, but the other thing that surprised me is the lineup. They left uh, basically the exact same for versus righties or lefties. Kiermaier leading off even against lefties, and with Yandi and Jose Martinez just swapping the two and six. But I, I did not love that one bit. Yeah, Jose so Martinez then, in the two hole against righties too. That kind of bugs me. Like, ugh, gives me. Uh, it's not great, but uh, we'll we'll get to the uh, the kicker here in a second when we talk about how our teams did. So the the pitching side of things, they had unsurprisingly. Um, so Snell is is injured to start the season. So what they had for a rotation was Morton, Glass, now McKay, Yanni, and Yarbs. Makes perfect sense. Um, mm-hmm. Long relief, they had Bonda up to to hold down that role. Which I think, which I think could, I could see happening in real life, and then they had Rowe, Drake, Poche, Kittredge, Alvarado, Castillo, and Anderson, uh, with Anderson being the closer. So maybe Fairbanks you could make the case for over Bonda if you wanted uh, more middle relief arms. Maybe Trevor Richards or Jalen Beeks if you wanted a little more experience. But honestly, I had no issues uh, with the pitching side of things. Um, in terms of, I think one thing we should do throughout the season is in addition to. Uh, how the major league team is doing, check in on some of the minor leagues. And the, the only thing that jumped off to me is I wanted to check first and foremost where Wander was. He's in Charlotte, <laughs> yeah. so I didn't mind that. I like to see awesome. that. Moving him up sooner than later. So um, did you want to rattle off how you chose your 26 and starting lineup to just have a quick comparison of the two, or should I go into season results? Yeah, let's let's go ahead and do it. So I'll, how I started um, my roster. So the first thing is they don't fill up the 40-man roster. Uh, when yeah. you open up the save. So a lot of the guys that were solely on the roster for um, five, Rule 5 draft prote- projection, protection, I didn't need to add to the 40-man until next year when they'd be eligible for the Rule 5 draft again. Um, so I added a bunch of guys to the 40-man just to kind of have it a little more full. Um, I added guys like Brett Honeywell. Jalen Beeks wasn't on there for some reason. Neither was Pache. Um, I added Michael Perez, who wasn't on there, a Rosarena, Brasso, Robertson, a few other guys um, to kind of fill it out. Um, I then settled on, obviously, Blake Snell started injured. 
was, I was able to bring him off on the second day of the season yep. to get that, that first start in. Um, but I started off with Morton, Glasnow, um, Yarbrough, and Chirinos. Um, I left that last spot open in the starting rotation because I knew I would have a Snell coming back in. The bullpen was Bonda, Drake, Rowe, Kittredge, Poche, Alvarado, Castillo, and Anderson, which I think is the same bullpen. Yep. The only reason I went with Bonda, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this later, is that this game is very harsh on, on middle relievers that don't have a lot of stamina. I mm. noticed that some guys are getting tired after 10 pitches, and so having a guy that can go multiple innings like Anthony Bonda was going to be really beneficial for my team um, rather than going with a guy like Peter Fairbanks, who I definitely want to get involved. I'm a huge Fairbanks believer. I want to get him involved in the team um, more throughout the season, um, but I opted to go with Bonda there. And one thing, uh, unless I just didn't hear it there, did you say that McKay is going to start off in the minors? Yeah, I started McKay in AAA. And the reason for that is uh, I, I wanted to give Yarbrough and Chirinos the nod to start the season. Um, and I didn't want McKay, McKay to be pitching out of the bullpen. Yep. Um, I've used him a couple times through this save. And I'm really focusing on him as a pitcher. Um, I, I know he, he's got pretty good hitting ratings in this game. And I hopefully can give him some at-bats throughout the season. But I wanted him to get consistent starts in AAA Durham. So I did not uh, – put him on the opening day roster. Um, moving on to the catchers, I went with Mike Zanino, and then I went with Kevin Smith. I know you would have chosen Perez. Um, I took Smith. He had no options left. Yeah. Um, so I, I kept him. I started with Perez in AAA, and Smith has been okay. Um, we can talk about his stats in a little bit. Um, infielders, I had. I did go with Daniel Robertson, Joey Wendell, Yandy Diaz, Jimon Choi, Willie Adamas, and Brandon Lau. Um, Robertson, I know in the game, he's rated pretty low. His, sta his stats aren't great, um, yeah. but, but he's got a little bit more versatility in terms of where he can play in the infield. He could play third, short, or second base. And so I valued that to be able to give Yandy a day off, who doesn't have great defensive ratings in this game, and obviously needs someone that can give Willie Adamas a break every couple weeks when he needs one. Um, so Robertson provided that for me. Um, I also had Jose Martinez, who I have listed purely as a DH, although I gave him some innings at first base. And then in the outfield, I went with Manuel Margot, Yoshi Tsutsugo, um, Hunter Renfro, Kevin Kiermeyer, and Austin Meadows. So besides Yoshi, I think pretty squared away with, with what you had in your save. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, I'm excited for – I think we should uh, maybe like chat a little results here and then and look at how the players are doing. Obviously, we know – I think one thing that this – game does so well um and, and you can speak to this uh, if you've noticed as well so i think it does capture just the absurd range of possible uh results especially when you're doing a month right i mean i think that the show kind of they kind of settle into what you'd expect sooner than later which is great in another sense but i think this game sometimes you can really see the extremes that that uh results can go to in baseball even over several months which is just such a wild part of the sport but it's a part of the sport for real yeah and it's it's very frustrating at times because you have yeah. a, either a free agent you brought in or a guy you're expecting a lot of production out of and for a long stretch of time it just might not be there and uh well i'll, I'll go ahead and say it. the guy for me who and there's been <laughs> a couple uh the guy for me that really has not stepped up is hunter renfro so through um 36 games in the race season he has started 32 of them, and his slash line is 150, 218, 
257. That is a 474 OPS. Um, that is just absolutely uh, horrendous. Um, <laughs> he, he's got three home runs, but the bat's just not coming around. And I thought about just sitting him on the bench, but I decided to try to get him to play through it. That hasn't worked out. He has started to go up. I think in the last week or two, he um, is, is really starting to come alive. La- yeah, uh, this week, He's hitting 318 with an 864 OPS yes. and two doubles. So he is starting to come around. That average was down there closer to 100 uh, at some point in the season. But, yeah, Hunter Renfro, who the Rays are expecting a lot more than that out of him in, in, uh, in real life in the regular season. But, you know, guys go through slumps, and sometimes they're a month long, and that's really part of baseball, um, which, again, like you said, makes this game so, uh, so painstakingly realistic. Well, it's funny. So I'll use I'll use Renfro as the perfect uh, kind of transition into talking schedule here because my Renfro is doing quite well and and even so opening day we're facing the Pirates. Chris Archer uh, trailing four to one going into the bottom of the eighth inning, uh, and Renfro hits a three run jack uh, to tie things up. And and later the the team won. They scored one more in the eighth. So it was almost the best of both worlds for, for the Rays. They got to – Archer had a good outing. Got to see our, our old friend pitch well. Uh, and then they came back to take the lead in the eighth and, and got the win. So um, that was that was one of the, the more fun games to kind of keep a tab on. Uh, they took that first series. Unfortunately, a couple close uh, losses to the Yankees. Uh, if we kind of go through the, the schedule here, they, it, it's, a, it's such a tough month of, of April kind of looking it over. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see when this – I'll, who, who knows what the season looks like? Who knows if they chop off the first month? I wouldn't mind it though, looking at the kind of murders row that, that the Rays do play in the first month. Um, but my, my squad over here did pretty solid. Uh, we came out of the, the first uh, five weeks or so, 20 and 16. Um, the AL East actually as a whole is looking pretty good, which should surprise nobody, but it's maybe even better than people expect. Uh, the Blue Jays are atop the division in a, just by percentage points over the Yankees and Red Sox. So those three teams are tied and the Rays are a half game back. And then the Orioles, funny enough, are playing 500 ball. So again, really? anything, anything wild can happen for a month. But um, before I, before I go into specific player slash lines, which uh, again, we're dealing with a month here, but it's, it's always fun to, to keep a tab on. Uh, how did, were there any games that kind of jumped out to you? Uh, how are the standings looking and, and just how's the team kind of looking so far? So just like you, my team also went 20 and 16 through the first 36 <laughs> games, uh, which given the lineups they put out, it kind of upsets me that I couldn't do any better. <laughs> um, I'm in second place in the AL East. The Yankees lead the division. They're 23 and 12, which is mm-hmm. really good, but I guess could be expected from them this year. Uh, we are at 2016, three and a half games back. Boston's a game under 500. Toronto's two games under 500 in Baltimore is 13 and 21. So I think that's a pretty fair yeah. outlook on what we could see from the division this year. Uh, the Rays are tied with Oakland for that first wild card spot. Um, both teams at 20 and 16. Uh, yeah, it, it was an up and down schedule. Uh, obviously a lot of tough teams. My second game of the season went 15 innings against the oh. Pirates. I actually had to use Yanni Chirinos for that la- that last inning. I just had no more pitching. Um, and he, uh, then had to start pushed back because of that. Um, but yeah, going through Houston and Cleveland a couple times each in the month of April was extremely tough. I took uh, five of, of seven games from the Astros, which was nice. promising. 
Um, the, the Indians kind of had their way with me. I got swept in a four-game series in Cleveland and lost two out of three at home, um, but was able to sweep the Royals, was able to sweep the Red Sox, um, and ultimately – so it was a very streaky month, to say the least. Um, mm. beat, the, beat the bad teams and, and struggled with, with some of the better teams like the Yankees, who took two out of three um, in St. Pete. But overall, I thought in my save it was very fair – um, the, the pitching was great and the bats kind of need to come alive a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, I, I, it's the same thing here. Uh, I'm kind of looking at, they have those team stat rankings um, when you go to the, the team homepage and it's, it's probably not too surprising uh, in terms of runs scored. Uh, they're 10th in the American league, but in terms of runs against their third and they have got the best FIP in baseball, they have the most pitching war, but then in terms of batting more, they're ninth. And I, I think that kind of is where this team is right now. Maybe it's a little harsh on the offense. Um, but, again, we, there's not that, that one stud that kind of in the, is in the center of the lineup. Um, although, so if we, if we now transition in to looking at some uh, player slash lines, Hunter Renfro, ironically enough, has been pretty close to, to that stud for me. He's, uh, so he's hitting out of that fourth spot. Um, he's got 12 homers and 35 RBIs so far, and uh, even more wow. so than that, OPS plus a 136. So he's been worth a little over a win. He's been excellent. Uh, um, on the other side of the outfield, Meadows is, is killing it as well. He's got 10 long balls of his own. Uh, OPS plus a 142, that's the highest on the team right now. Um, like to see him drawing some walks too. Um, the, the, the team can, can always use that. Um, couple other hitters doing well. Uh, G-Man Choi, always love to see him doing well. And he's got OPS plus of 139 in 140 uh, at-bats. And then uh, Jose Martinez, uh, our guy there, with a 131 OPS plus um, in, in pretty much everyday, everyday time. Um, flip side of that, a uh, couple guys who are struggling. Um, Brandon Lau, really struggling. Um, he's, okay. he's playing every day. He's got 116 plate appearances, but he's – at a 17 OPS plus, and he's been worth negative uh, 0.6 WAR. So that's a guy who I actually am, am low on in, in real life. Uh, so you never want to be excited about seeing your 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 un, your, your your not guy go so well. But uh, that's one that, that didn't shock shock me, and, and it kind of in that same in the same line of things as Zunino struggling for me. Uh, he's got three homers, but OPS plus of 68. Um, he is, he is positive by war cause he is a good defender, but, um, yeah. How, how are, how are your offensive, uh, how's your lineup looking in terms of, uh, one month in stats wise? It's, uh, the offense is, is not looking great really at all. Um, the, a lot of stats in the bottom of the American league, 14th place in batting mm-hmm. average and slugging percentage in OPS, um, 14th, um, in, uh, run scored. 12th in hits, um, tied for ninth in home runs, which I guess is good. You look at some of the individual players, Austin Meadows has been the, the best player so far on this team. He's got a 145 OPS plus. Um, he's been worth a little over a win, just like Renfro on your save. He's got eight home runs, 23 runs padded in, seven doubles. He is rocking a 906 OPS and overall been very happy with Austin Meadows. He's just coming off a slight injury that saw him miss um, three games, but G-Man Troy, another guy that's, that's providing, he's got an 831 OPS, a 128 OPS plus. He's been worth half a win. He's got six home runs. Um, I talked about Hunter Renfro and how bad he's been. Um, also another guy uh, that started off the season slow, but has picked things up to an extent is uh, Yoshi 
He has got eight home runs, 16 runs batted in, um, but still is rocking a 205 batting average, 706 OPS, and a 90 OPS plus. So still a lot of room for improvement, but he was really tearing, uh, tearing the cover off the ball towards the end of the month. Um, and the offense is where I didn't think I was really going to have to add because we've got a lot of pieces that can be plugged in a lot of places on this team. Um, but looking at how the season has gone thus far, it's clear that we're, we're not quite there yet if we want to have a team, an offense at least, that can compete for a spot in the postseason because the pitching is all there, and we'll talk about that next. Yeah, the, the pitching is all there. <laughs> the pitching on my side of things has, has been excellent so far. Uh, Morton leading the way first and foremost. Uh, really strong, strong month from him. Uh, tossed 50 innings. He's got 1.97 ERA, but maybe even better, 2.23 FIP. Um, and so the game uses, uh, I believe, F war, uh, or a FIP-based war at least, to, uh, to track things. So he's, he's been worth two wins already. But he's far from the only one. Uh, Chirinos has a 193 ERA, 3.08 FIP in uh, almost 30 innings. Snell came back mid-month for me, uh, 3.25 ERA, 2.0 FIP. Um, the bullpen, interestingly, hasn't been quite as lights out. Um, Oliver Drake has really struggled. He's he's blown up a few times. He's got a FIP of 8.44 uh, in the yeah. game. Maybe I would think about mixing things up, but uh, – they're going to let it rock and roll for the time being. He's um, also out of options. So I don't know if the game takes that really into account. So no, they sure. might not have anywhere to, anywhere to put him, really. Yeah. And then the and then Anderson uh, hasn't been quite as lights out as I was hoping. And I've seen in, in other sims. Uh, he's got 5.25 ERA, 4.0, 4.1 whip, fit, but we're talking 12 innings here. I mean, with, with relievers to parse after one month is kind of crazy. But uh, how are, how's your squad looking uh, in terms of run prevention? I'll go ahead and start where you left off with the bullpen. Um, Nick Anderson, the strikeout stuff is there. 14.5 Ks per nine. That's 22 strikeouts over 13 and two-thirds innings. Um, the one part that really worries me about Nick Anderson, and again, it's only through 13 and two-thirds innings, so I'm not too worried about it. Uh, he's given up four home runs already in only 13 appearances. Uh, that's something I think needs to be cut down a little bit. Again, not too worried about it. Diego Castillo, though, might start giving him some more save opportunities. Um, through 18 and two-thirds innings, he's got a .96 ERA. Um, his strikeout numbers are down a little bit. Um, he was in the double digits the last two seasons. Uh, he was at 9.2K per nine um, this year. The walks are up, though, 5.8 walks per nine. Um, but overall, he's been able to get out of uh, trouble when he puts himself into it. And he's been really effective. So I think I might start splitting some of the save opportunities between Castillo and Anderson. Um, Jose Alvarado struggled really early on. Um, in some high leverage situations, he's got a 5.51 ERA. I've started to take him out of those high leverage situations and put in uh, Colin Crochet a lot more, whose strikeout numbers are through the roof. He's pitched the most innings out of anyone in my bullpen. He's got 21 innings so far on the season. He's been really effective. He's got a three ERA, and I believe his FIP was also super low. Let me pull that up real quick. Um, a 3.73 FIP, which is pretty solid for a guy like Crochet. Um, the starting rotation has been absolutely lights out. Just like in your save, Charlie Morton has been incredible. Um, through eight starts, he's got a 208 ERA through 47 and two-thirds innings pitched. The one thing, though, that's interesting about Charlie Morton is the strikeout numbers are way down. So in 2017, 18, and 19, his K per nine numbers were all in the double digits. This year, they're only at seven. So he's got 37 strikeouts through 47 and two-thirds innings, and that's just not – uh, what I was expecting out of Charlie Morton. Overall, though, he's still been really effective. 
I will kind of keep an eye on those strikeout numbers to see if they do have an effect on his numbers throughout the rest of the season. But Yanni Chirinos is another guy in both of our saves that's performing really, really well. The game really, really likes Chirinos, it seems like. He's made seven starts, 38 innings, has a .92 whip, which is among uh, the best in the American League, 1.7 walks per nine. He's got a 2.61 ERA, a 1.79 ERA plus. Um, he, he's been really, really solid. Um, a 3.93 FIP. Blake Snell, a guy that started really slow, but got to 50 strikeouts before the uh, month of uh, before the end of the month of April. He has got a where is that at? Uh, I lost Blake Snell stats. I was looking at his batting stats. Here we go. <laughs> Through uh, seven starts, he's got a 2.88 ERA, a 1.2 WHIP, 11.1 K per nine. His walks are up from the last two seasons, which is worrying. Um, but the strikeout stuff is just absolutely incredible. Like I said, he's got 50 strikeouts through his first um, seven starts. Tyler Glass now, um, the ERA is a little higher. It's a 4.39 ERA, but the FIP is at 3.91. So I, I, I'm not too worried about Glass now yet. And again, his strikeout numbers are through the roof, 12.1K per nine. He's actually at 55 strikeouts. So he leads the team in strikeouts. And I think he's second in the American League, only behind Justin Verlander in strikeouts. And overall, you know, could not be uh, more happy with how the pitching staff is gone. Now, one quick question before I go into this, before we wrap things up. Do you know by chance if the AI used an opener at all through the first month of the season? <laughs> I don't believe they did. Um, I know that is one of the cool I, – I, when I stumbled across that in uh, the first time I was running through a race season, I, I did think that was pretty interesting. I think it's, it's interesting to think about whether the Rays will actually use one this year, and I'm, I'm not 100% sure they will, to be honest. But uh, are you using an opener ever? I did it to start the season. Um, I decided to give Yarbrough and Torino some starts to, uh, to get the year going, but I actually did, and I've done it in two games now, but I did one on April 21st. I opened with Oliver Drake, um, who did okay, but it helped Yarbrough a lot get deeper into the ball game without getting hit as hard. Obviously, with the rest of the guys in this pitching staff, he doesn't have that heavy strikeout stuff. Um, and he's probably the, the guy that's on the chopping block in terms of the starting rotation, even though he's been okay for me this year. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I, I've used him twice. I, I think I'm going to keep giving Yarbrough some more starts, mixing in an opener, depending on the lineup, uh, that they're going to face. Yeah. But overall, it's something I, I don't plan on do, doing for a, a long time. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's working for now when, when I, when I choose to use it, but overall pitching has been, been great. Yeah, it's hard to complain. I think that's how the Rays, the Rays honestly will approach it um, in the regular seasons. Yarbs is the one who, who potentially could could uh, could see it every now and then, but but overall, this rotation is pretty strong right now. Um, if you if you're up for, it, I thought we could do one last little segment here, just kind of looking over uh, some of the league leaders, seeing if if any Rays pop up anywhere. Um, in my sim, Renfro is second in both homers and RBIs. Uh, Choi is eighth in on base percentage. I think it's fine. I think it's uh, Ben Lindbergh and Sam Miller over there at Effective Wild. I think they have some – they call it like the day where Trout takes the, the leaderboard on, in terms of war, and he is indeed after one month atop the leaderboard in terms of war. So the game, the game knows better than to, to mess with Trout. Um, and then just one final one I thought, I thought was relevant to Rays fans, and, and as a, uh, this guy was one of my favorites when he was here. Malik Smith stole 20 bases uh, that for those first five or six weeks. Uh, so he's on pace for just an absolutely absurd absurd number there. So I, I like saying that. What about uh, on your end, anything wild? 
That's interesting. Real quick about Malik Smith. I had a buddy who played out a save where Malik Smith stole like 86 bases in a year, <laughs> uh, which is incredible. But um, nothing on the offensive side. I think Brandon Lau is high in some of the bad categories like strikeouts. He's tied for fifth in the American League. Uh, I know he's known for to strike out a lot, um, but he's still productive to an extent. Um, ERA, Charlie Morton's fifth in the American League with a 208 strikeouts um glass now in second tied for second with zach Greinke at 55 just behind justin verlander with 56 blake snell's in sixth in the american league um yanni serenos is fourth in whip he's got a 0.92 whip um he's also really high in another stack category i think somewhere on here oh yeah he's second for uh, lois babip with a 228 babip against um and no, tied for fourth for batting average against with 200 uh, really shows um, how effective young Torinos has been. Blake Snell leads the league in FIP. He's got a 257 FIP, which is really encouraging uh, with him moving forward, especially in like one of his early starts to give up seven earned runs in like four innings. Um, he has been lights out since then. Um, but yeah, it, it, again, the bats, I'm, I'm really, really hoping they just pick themselves up out of nowhere in the month of May, but I guess we'll see. Well, and I, I, uh, I was given batting layers there, and I, I forgot to flip, flip the tab, and I am glad I did because, yeah, Morgan uh, is, is been pretty dumb. He's leading in war, FIP, and whip. So, uh, yeah, like you said, the, the pitching is there right now. Um, and actually, one, one bit of good news from, from my end of things, I'm not sure if you were able to do anything on this front, uh, Virtual Neander was able to lock up Glass now for four years, $50 million. Um, so that pitching oh, wow. should be pretty strong uh, for the foreseeable future. Once I get later into the season, I'm going to look at extensions for some guys. Um, I, I decided to focus on some other things first, but that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, before we wrap things up here, there are a couple trades that I looked at long and hard, and, and I've, I've been offered two real trades um, that I've, reject, I've rejected both. Um, one of them came from the Diamondbacks. I was offered Steven Vogt and Seth Beer, the left-handed hitting first base prospect in the Diamondbacks organization in exchange for Yanni Torinos. So I, I, took, I took a good look at it. I thought Vote's offensive production was going to be a nice catcher to pair with Zanino, but the defense isn't there for Vote. Yeah. So that was going to be a huge hit. I would probably have to give him some um, at-bats as a DH when we've already got some other guys like Jose Martinez and uh, Yoshi Tsutsugo and Nate Lowe and G-Man Troy that I wanted to fill up those DH at-bats with. Um, the other thing, and, and again, with how well Yanni Trinos has pitched, I'm really glad I rejected this one. Um, I, I'm not keen on giving away formidable starting pitching with years of control left, especially this early on in the save. Um, so I decided it was probably best to keep Yanni Trinos. I know the Rays have some starting pitching depth in their organization, but I didn't want to deal from that depth quite yet. I tried um, – looking for some other guys that I thought I, I, I toyed with this deal a little bit to see if the diamond bats would accept um, something else. I took beer out since the Rays already have guys like Troy and Nate Lowe. And I put in this uh, right-handed pitcher, Kevin Ginkle, who's got a 70 grade fastball, 75 curveball. Um, and the diamond packs wouldn't take it. I probably would have <laughs> taken that just to add another great piece to the bullpen. Uh, but the diamond backs uh, were having none of it. And then the last one, which might even be an even more, um, intriguing trade was the, from the Los Angeles Dodgers. So they were coming after Randy Arozarena and they were willing to give up Austin Barnes, which is again, another catcher Ooh. they were willing to send this way. And I rejected it again. Um, this one was, I was very close to hitting the accept button actually. Barnes would have clearly been better than Michael Perez and Kevin Smith, 
Um, but looking at the way he was rated and looking at his stats throughout his first few major league seasons, it wasn't a guarantee that he would have been better than Mike Zanino, who hasn't been great, but he hasn't been terrible this season. Um, and, and him and Zanino were probably going to split a lot of the time at catcher if I did bring him in. And because of that, I didn't think it would make the team that much better. And then to give catcher. up control of a Rosarena, yeah. Exactly. So I thought it, it would probably make the team better. It would be a step up because a Rosarena right now is still in AAA for me. But how much better would it make it that it'd be worth giving a guy like Randy Rosarena, who if you look at his minor league stats, and he's rated very highly in the game, um, is someone that I'm really excited about holding on to. Um, in 2019 in AAA, he threw 246 plate appearances or 283 plate appearances. He had an OPS over 1,000, a batting average over 350, um, and, and it's some stolen bases to boot. It's not a guy I was ready to move forward on. And we talked about it in the last episode, how in a lot of organizations, Randy Rosarena isn't seen as a depth guy, but kind of the way the Rays organization is set up, he is. He's on the bubble on the roster. He was probably going to spend a lot of time in AAA Durham this year, but he was going to be a very valuable piece moving forward. So Austin Barnes, I'm going to keep tabs on him because I think as we get closer towards the trade deadline, that might be a guy I'd go after. He's got a solid bat. He's very good defensively. And that would be a great addition to the team later on. But given where we were, given the success we were having, I was not willing to part ways with Randy Rosarena because I didn't think it would make the team that much better. Would you have done anything differently in those two trades? Uh, the, I would have considered hard the, the Barnes move only because uh, I know he, do, he even has uh, infield flexibility in, uh, yeah. in real life. So it, it's another piece that maybe you could bring him in and then suddenly – you can send down Daniel Robertson and bring up Nate Lowe, something like that, just because he does have that flexibility. But it w- I'm a bigger Rosarena guy, so I think I would have probably countered like you did with, with a different piece maybe to see if Barnes – because Barnes intrigues me a lot, but a Rosarena would be hard to give up. I, I think I would have done the same as you. There, I tried toying with that deal to see if I could give up someone instead of a Rosarena, and they were interested in a lot of the relief pitchers on the team. So depending on how the, how the season plays out, I might be willing to deal from one of the relievers or even maybe one of the starting pitchers um, to try to get a guy like Austin Barnes if that becomes a major need. Because as of right now, Kevin Smith has been okay as a backup catcher, um, and, and Zanino's been okay as well. So, again, yeah. I don't think it would make the team that much better. But if, it, if, it, if I need it later on in the season, I might even be willing to renegotiate with Randy Rosarena headed that way, depending on how badly I need it. But if – I actually thought those were two really interesting trades that were very realistic. Um, last year's game, I thought the trades were a little off, but so far this year, those offers I thought were fair and realistic. It just, I wasn't ready to deal those guys uh, yet, but Jim, I know we're going to keep playing through these saves. We're going to keep uh, bringing updates um, what's going on throughout this year, maybe even beyond um, however long this quarantine lasts. We don't have actual baseball to talk about. <laughs> Um, but again, uh, thank you. Thank you for coming on today. Yeah, I had a blast. Uh, I've, I've been playing this game pretty obsessively for the last couple of weeks. So it's nice to have a little outlet to share the, the craziness that I've deep dived into this game and, uh, hopefully people enjoy it. Yeah. During the, re- like when, if I play this during the regular season, I start to get the game and reality kind of mixed <laughs> where I'll be like, wait a second, I traded that guy. Um, but now, now that there is no baseball, this has become my reality, which is kind of scary. <laughs> but uh, fun at the same time. Um, but yeah, again, thank you, Jim, for coming on. Uh, this is another really great episode. Um, this is first two real episodes of the Raise Your Voice podcast. 
as part of the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network, and it's been super fun so far, and I can only imagine that it's going to be even better moving forward. Um, again, please subscribe to this podcast. Uh, if you subscribe to this feed, you'll get Raise Your Voice and The Hit Show um, on this podcast feed. Rate and review. That would be awesome. A huge help to all of us at D-Rays Bay. We're going to have a lot more writers from the site on the podcast throughout the year. Um, and thank you guys for listening. This has been super fun, and this show is going to be really fun to, to keep developing as we go along. So for Jim Turvey, I'm Brett Rutherford, and this was the Raise Your Voice podcast as part of the D-Raise Bay Podcast Network, and I'll see you guys next time.